Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll be here for the next couple hours on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We're going to chat about some music and we're going to talk about more politics and then maybe some music and then some local politics. Should be a good show. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather, as you heard at the top of the hour. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us today, Dan. And I do appreciate your patronage. Whether you are driving around in your car today, listening on a transistor somewhere on Information 1000, KSOO, or streamed live on KSO.com using the brand new KSO mobile app that everybody needs to download this very second. Remember also, you can follow us uh, on Facebook Live, where we've been having a little conversation pre-show here, which has been fun, or on Twitter at P. Lally Show, always a good place as well. Um, I'm going to start the show with something short. I got to get off my chest. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure you heard at the top of the news and everybody's heard by now because the interstate was closed for four hours that, uh, somebody took their own life today, um, jumping off the bridge, which is, uh, a horrible situation, uh, anyway. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about coverage and media coverage of, suicide for a minute and this one in particular because there were a couple of uh, really bad examples of covering suicide and and I'm I'm just gonna point this out because I put it on Twitter and it because it it angered me uh, you know I should say most people a lot of you out there know this I was in journalism for 25 years and I made a lot of mistakes along the way I'm never gonna say I didn't when you do make a mistake, you have to own it. And sometimes people just make bad judgment calls because they don't know or they weren't trained or they weren't thinking. And sometimes that happens. But you also shouldn't let these things just pass without uh, noting them. And I'm just going to point out one television station in particular. It's my friends at KELO who posted on their webpage today a photo. I don't know who took the photo. But they posted it on their homepage of a dead body covered in a tarp. It's unconscionable. Now, reporting on suicide is difficult enough. It is a nuanced and contextual issue. And when you're writing about suicide, you have to take a lot of things into consideration. But sensationalization is at the top of the list of don'ts. And I don't know how anybody thought it was a good idea to put a picture of a dead body on your webpage. In fact, it's a very bad idea. Now, in this case, you have to do some reporting. You've got an interstate that's closed for four hours, and people are going to wonder what's going on. You have to weigh the public interest here. And I know, as I mentioned, I was in journalism for 25 years. When I started, there was no internet. And by the time I was 
done in daily journalism, it was up to the minute 24-7. And I was involved in that. I was central to the decision and the conceptualization and the implementation of Argus 911. So I know instantaneous reporting and the dangers of it. And they are many. And the temptations are great. Because you're chasing clicks. But every once in a while, you got to take a breath and you have to ask yourself, is this the right thing to do? And sometimes, you know, we did the wrong thing. I remember during the Harrisburg school shooting, there was a lot of information flying around. And we posted something in real time. And then we took it down. Because it was the wrong thing to do. Now, at some measure, in cyberspace, you can never take anything down. But you have to learn the lesson. And when you have a dead body, that's the time not to do it. Particularly in the context of suicide. Now, there are standards for reporting on suicide that have been widely circulated, and I circulated them again today, and you can find those on my Twitter feed at bald underscore n underscore surly or on the P. Lally Show Twitter feed if you want to read them. And they are produced quite responsibly by the Suicide Prevention Resource Center. Um, That's the latest place I found them, but they've been widely circulated and widely vetted by mental health professionals and people in media, including Pointer. The Annenberg Public Public Policy Center, the Columbia University Department of Psychiatry, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, all kinds of very good people. I want you to remember something when you read stories about suicide that there are many reasons and that we don't always understand that when you are in media, you have to be very careful. And I've, I've learned these things the hard way. And I've had very hard discussions with people about what you say and when you say it and why you say it. And you have to balance the public interest and the journalism against being, against censoring yourself to some degree. And there's no answer. There's no easy answer. There's no absolute right way. But you have to have guidelines. And in media, you know, we talk about media in the context of politics all the time. And we talk about it in the context of Uh, war, international relations, or government in general. But one of the huge roles that you play when you're a journalist is that you live in a community. And these are not abstract faces. They are not abstract concepts or people. They're your friends and your neighbors 
your brothers, your sisters. And when somebody dies by suicide in a public way, there are ripples. That person was somebody's brother or sister, son or daughter, mother, father. And everybody who has been touched by suicide, whose mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, friend, cousin, aunt, uncle, every one of those people, when they see that, they have to relive it. And I always try to keep that in mind when making decisions. And I hope my friends in media will think about that as well the next time something like this happens. And there will be a next time. And I had to tell you that because it really bothered me. Because I drove by there today not knowing what was going on. And I saw it. And it's not something you should post a picture of. We've got a good show for you today. Jolene Letcher is going to be in here. She is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls. Scott Hudson will be in for Weird Friends. And our friend blogger Corey Heidelberger will be checking in from Aberdeenang up there, up there in the Northeast uh, from Dakota Free Press. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Uh, we're going to talk about privacy. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show. Yeah, we're going to get a little closer to free here on Information 1000 KSOO during the PNL statement. Never more so has this ever been more appropriate than today. Yeah, I say that. I say never has this uh, song been more appropriate than today or the concept of being free been more appropriate than today, not because of what I was talking about earlier in our fine community media coverage, but the whole issue that has come up now regarding Facebook, and it's just blowing up everywhere about this company that was hired by the Trump campaign, Cambridge Analytica. And what they did was they uh, used Facebook to mine data, private information, on more than 50 million Facebook users, and uh, they offered tools that could identify the personalities of American voters and influence their behavior. That the uh, line from the New York Times. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not so much interested in the connection. I mean, you know, the, the 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 political part of this is one thing, okay. And I'm going to talk about this as two different elements, and they really aren't, okay. I admit that. 
the political element and the government element, right? Okay, so you've got this company and they've figured out, you know, working the, work the system, working the Facebook system, how they can get all this data on people and then try and use that data to, uh, to the benefit of the Trump campaign. Okay, I get that. Okay. Um, I understand that a political campaign, they're going to use all sorts of tactics, okay, to push the boundaries in search of a real or perceived advantage. Every campaign does this in one way or another, whether it's, you know, yard signs or whatever it is. In this case, we're talking about data and campaigns have been using data forever. I'm not so much interested in whether this data could be used to influence an election. Uh, That's a very difficult assertion to make to say, oh, this particular set of data, this particular tactic swayed an election one way or the other. I don't believe that so much. What I'm worried about is that once in office, okay, a government, any government, will continue to use this information, these tactics, to monitor and manipulate its citizenry. That I consider to be a fundamental violation of constitutional principles. Now, I understand you're going to say, what's the difference? And there really isn't one. It's maybe a difference in expectation that once you are in charge, you are held to a higher standard of behavior, of adherence to the Constitution. It shouldn't be that way, but it probably is because politics is fleeting. You know, the day a campaign is done, everybody goes their separate corners, right? And we never really find out in most cases. And I think in this case, there's probably a lot more that we just don't know about the use of social media data by campaigns. I mean, if this one company was able to do it, who's to say there aren't others? And there probably are to one degree or another. We know we've given up a measure of privacy in our lives. When we sign up for social media, everybody clicks the box, right? But that's our choice. We agreed to some measure, at some measure, to share our information with others. Pictures of the cats, pictures of the kids, pictures of vacation, pictures of your food, pictures of your drink. We, we, we accept that. And we know that in a post 9-11 world, we have surrendered a measure of our privacy for security reasons, for good or for ill. And we know these security measures have filtered into our lives in all kinds of ways, great and small. Just ask the guys who stole the Irish flag from a downtown Sioux Falls store on St. Patrick's Day. I talked about that yesterday. Those security camera images were shared hundreds of times on Facebook. They did a stupid thing, and they paid for it. The other people in those photos did not. (laughs) And that's not to say that using security cameras isn't a good tactic to fight crime. And in this case, as we know, the guy showed up the next day. You know, he he did his mea culpa. He, he, He fessed up. He did everything that you would do if you caught yourself in a... Uh, just an embarrassing, terrible situation. So, you know, good on him. 
But it is a lesson. It is a lesson. There's a pretty thin line here between a political campaign mining Facebook data and the ensuing government using Facebook data. Does anybody believe there's anybody in the upper levels of the Trump administration right now with any concerns about our right to privacy? I'm not hearing that. No, we want to we want to execute drug dealers. We want to tell everybody how to live. Maybe that right to privacy is is fading away. Bit by bit by bit. But maybe, just maybe, we need to, we can, we should try to take it back. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree, you can email me, Patrick at KSO.com. You can follow us on Twitter, as always, at P Lally Show and chat with us there. Throw me a question on Facebook Live. It's great to hear from you all. I love chatting with the listeners. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to chat with Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. That's right after the news and weather with Uber producer Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. we bring in for today's weird friend segment the man the stalwart who's always there when we need him <laughs> any day of the week mr scott hudson mr hudson thanks for being here today yeah that's kind of the way i am right i'm kind of like in the tempest days i was the iron horse <laughs> that's right uh hudson will do it <laughs> yeah it's like mikey he'll eat anything <laughs> yeah exactly anyway um hey you know, I was uh, knowing how you uh, dislike sort of, I don't know how to put this, um, sort of a, a, a in a, you know, un, like inappropriate, not inappropriate, but an unequal response to something that happens, right? Sure. You, sure. you, you don't like a, 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 when there's sort of mass whining. Is that a better way to put it? Yeah, well, that's good too. I like that. Good job. <laughs> I uh, the the latest mass whining, and I and and some of this is probably appropriate, but so I'm curious what you think. So this this woman gets on a plane, right? It's a United yes. flight, and she's got a dog with her, right? Yes. Now, yes. As I understand it, the the uh, the flight attendant told her that she had to put the dog in the overhead. Yeah, craziness. And the dog dies. Right. And now. Right. And now the world is coming to an end, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, the, this is a tragic story, and yep. and I, I feel for the dog owners because that's I, I I can't even imagine what that would be like. But the very next day, I saw a tweet from some member of Congress, and I don't know what state or whatever, that he's going to introduce a bill banning dogs from being put in the overhead compartments on a plane. And I'm just thinking to myself, um, do we need a law? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, common sense says that. I don't think that there's ever been 
uh, airlines never had a pol- an official policy of this. This is just a really dumb move by an employee that needs to be fired. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we don't need a new law. I mean, no, nobody. There's there hasn't been a rash of dogs dying in overhead compartments. Not that I've heard of. This is the it's first that isolated, I've Isolated. It's, it's an isolated tragedy. And and I just I just see this stuff all the time where some isolated incident happens and you know you really can't say you're against it because well I just did but like <laughs> if you're in Congress and this this bill comes comes up you're going to be labeled as a dog murderer if you vote against it yeah that's the problem you get demonized for just saying really really yeah, yeah yes uh, there's just no need for a law and the and we should point it out uh, the demonization in this case knows no political boundary it does not know party <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have no idea what party this person, you know, is. I just, I saw the tweet, saw he was a member of the government, and <laughs> I just rolled my eyes. You know, I, I, and I don't care what party he is. I mean, it, you could potentially see how he could be in either of them. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is, that's not, that's not a classic left or right kind of thing. No, and I don't know how these, and how it gets to be such a big deal. We, you know, we really don't have anything do we have nothing else to worry about, really? No, we, we have lots of things to worry about. Yeah, but. <laughs> I think so. Well, yeah, we do. And and this is not, I'm not trying to analogize here uh, a dog to a human being. Okay, I'm going to say that right now. No, 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 right. But, but there, it's kind of like what's happening with Falls Park. You had a terrible tragedy at Falls Park over the weekend where a five-year-old girl fell into the river and died. Yes, and... and uh and again, I, I you know I I feel for the parents, I feel for the family and friends of this child. But again, within a day, I saw people and some prominent people in our city saying, "Well, we need to put fences up. We need to do it now." We need. It's like this was an isolated tragedy. Let's not jump overboard here. Yeah, and I people yeah. people love the falls as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh. I, I just don't think that, you know, it's such a rare occurrence that, you know, maybe there are some ideas on how to make it safer, but I don't think we immediately need to go and say, we need to shut this off from the public. The public can't get that close. Mm-hmm. And it has been looked at. It's not like we haven't thought about it, um, but you can't fence off the whole river. Right, right. I mean, people, again, this is going to sound like I'm heartless, but yeah. I'm really not. Um, drownings happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they happen at lakes. They happen in our swimming pools. They, they happen in people's backyard pools. Uh, you you try to be as safe as you possibly can, but you cannot predict every type of occurrence that's going to happen. No, no. And it, you know, you just, and maybe there's, more signs or there's you know when there's foam and yeah the fact of the matter the foam is there because of all the agriculture runoff you know yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't be foam if there wasn't so many chemicals in the river but that's right, a right. Whole other conversation but you know if you gotta i don't know i when in the for the two days that that is kind of that aberration there maybe you put up a something small right i was just gonna say yes. I, I was just gonna say when it or or like 
the uh, spring after we've had a ter- terrible, terrible winter, you know, where the water is heavier and deeper and all that stuff, maybe for a little bit then you can temporarily put up some, some barriers. Mm-hmm. But I, I just see, I see people saying that we need yep. to always have barriers there, and and I don't know, that's ridiculous. You go right to I the mean, extreme. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, and maybe there's a discussion, but let's not get carried away. And this it, this happened, frankly, the last time. It's been five years, almost to the day, when uh, two people died trying to rescue a kid who had fallen in. Right. And that was that was a terrible tragedy as well, and. You know, the one, you know, the one kid was, a you know, that was heroic. He didn't know those people at all. He just dove in to try and help. And he yeah, died. Yeah. He died for yeah. his, his gallantry. He died being a hero. Yeah. And that, that also is horrible, but you're going to put up a sign that says, don't be a hero. You know, I, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, you have to, you have to do the things that need to be done. You know, I think. I think putting uh, safety caps on pill bottles is a good thing. Okay. That is, right, that, right. that is right. saving many, many lives. Having to block off the river isn't probably a little much, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. just in us though. That's the, like immediately it, it's okay to want to solve problems, right? Oh, definitely. But let's, let's, let's use some common sense and yeah. let's not just jump to the extreme. And, and I know some people are sitting there going, uh, but Scott, I know you're for gun control. What are you saying there? And I go, we have plenty of instances of gun control. I mean, of gun issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not, sadly, there's not an isolated gun incident. Right. So that's a completely apples and oranges thing. And, 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 uh, probably something I probably, I didn't want to state publicly, but I just did. <laughs> well, but that's part of it too. You know, there are issues and you can say gun control or, you know, uh, uh, you know, a woman's right to protect her own body, uh, abortion, however you want to put it. There are some issues that you're like almost afraid to even give your opinion on for fear of being just labeled and beat down. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's one of the reasons I rarely, uh, put anything on my social media about mm-hmm. politics anymore. Good thing we're on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I'll do, I'll, yeah. It's not that I don't say things in public. I just don't do them in written form anymore. <laughs> that it can be circulated widely. Uh, yeah. Right on. Well, Scott, thanks for taking a few minutes today. I appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll figure out what day we're going to be on next week. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. See ya. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, speaking of free speech, we've got uh, Corey Heidelberger on from the Dakota Free Press blog, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about politics. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 348 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Trampled by turtles as always. I could never pretend that I don't love you. You could never pretend that I'm your man. That's exactly the way that I want it. It's exactly the way that I am. And you call me in the morning with your troubles. Taking it downtown every night. I could never place a star that night above. Got my hands on the ground and you know I'm right. You ain't so long. And that brings in our friend, our regular contributor here on most Tuesdays from the wilds up there in the northeast South Dakota in the town. My friend, friend of mine used to call Aberdeenang. Today it's Corey Heidelberger from the Dakota Free Press. Corey, how are you? 
I'm fine, Patrick. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, first of all, are you guys still buried in snow up there? Is that uh, is this all melting coming this way? Um, yeah, pretty much. We got a little dusting overnight, and it was enough to get the shovel out, but just because it was kind of slick, so maybe half an inch, and that was it. Now it's it's kind of cloudy and melty, and just sort of in between. Typical spring day. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, you know, we talk about politics a lot, and we spend a lot of time in the legislature. Now we're into primary season, and I noticed. The other, you and I talked about uh, Jackley Nome, Marty Jackley and Christy Nome running for that Republican nomination for governor last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just after we talked, I think uh, you had a post uh, that I read about uh, this online crimes task force and who got credit for it and who didn't. And uh, I noticed then there was a release from Christy Nome, sort of slapping Marty around on a little bit and some back and forth. Is this is this the uh, sort of opening salvo and the end of any hope for? you know, a nice, a nice, tidy, little, friendly primary in the Republican Party? Yes, I think anyone who had that hope was deluding themselves. You don't raise $2 million to send each other flowers. <laughs> no, you don't. You or don't. they're going to be darn good flowers. Nobody sends flowers that nice. $2 no. million is for stuff like this. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it was, um, Jack Lee had come out with this sort of clean campaign pledge early on, and that seemed... You know, he's trying to take the high ground without any, without really saying, I think this can be a clean campaign, right? That's just a tactic to say, hey, she shot first, right? Oh, completely, completely. Yeah, let's, let's, let's be under no illusions that anybody was sitting there back in November 2016 when they both declared thinking, oh, we'll just have a pleasant race. We'll be nice to each other. No way. They've expected to beat the snot out of each other since they announced way back when. That, you know. yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It was completely tactical to give Marty a chance to strike first and say, oh, I said I wanted a clean campaign. Look at me. I'm Mr. Nice. Yeah. And then they'll go at it. So you had a long post at dakotafreepress.com. Uh, well, a lot of your posts are long because they're they're detailed. And you sort of went through the steps of how this process worked. And as I recalled, you said, Christy was kind of right on this one, right? Yeah, she is kind of right. And I'll, I'll even give Christy Nome's campaign team credit. They did the kind of press release that I like to see as a blog post. Like you said, long and detailed, which mm-hmm. means 95% of people don't read it. But it had the facts there. They put out a pre- the, the Nome team put out a press release that had the links to the old news stories and the state information and the, and the uh, you know, stuff from Minnesota and the federal government explaining that the Internet Crimes Task Force or the uh, Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, mm-hmm. ICAC, ICAC, it existed back in 2002. Bill Janklow started it. Um, the thing Marty's talking about is simply a new iteration or a new funding model of it an organization of it that came about in 2007 because it, it got moved over to some federal pot of money, right? I mean, that's basically what happened. Well, actually I'll, I'll take that back. It's been funded by the federal government, by the department of justice Hmm. all along. Okay. What was the change changed in 2007 is that the federal government said, okay, we'll give South Dakota a grant directly so that South Dakota can run its own standalone version of this task force. I see. And so kind of a joint thing with like, we collaborated with Minnesota and this and that they were doing the same thing. They were looking for perverts online, looking at kitty porn. You got to do it. That's it's, it's important work. Um, so, but Marty's contention was he started it. Was he there? Was he attorney general 
what or during the when the grant was made specifically to South Dakota then, or how does that work? No, see, and there's the kicker. He's really stretching. He in his ad, his TV ad that everybody with TV has seen, mm-hmm. he uses the word created. Marty Jackley created the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. He wasn't attorney general when it happened. He was U.S. attorney for the oh, state, for the mm-hmm. feds under, under President Bush. So he had sort of a tangential role, maybe. He maybe knew it was happening, but he didn't create it. Yeah, his, his contention, at least, you know, and of course now it's back and forth press release mm-hmm. war, so I've got stuff to write about. I'm excited about that. <laughs> his contention is that South Dakota didn't get the grant when they wanted it, and so he, as U.S. attorney, says that, well, he talked to Department of Justice and urged them to change their minds. And we've got none of this written down that I've seen yet. But supposedly, he, as U.S. attorney, was able to, you know, swing it so South Dakota could get it after all. Well, that's good stuff. Hey, we're going to, you can stick with us for a little bit, Corey? Sure. We're going to come right back with uh, Corey Heidelberger after the news and weather at the top of the hour. So hang with us and we'll chat more about What's going on out there in in political land? This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. A public service announcement with guitar. Know your rights. 3.57 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We're going to go back to Corey Heidelberger. Real soon here, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, Corey from Dakota Free Press, and we are talking politics. I think next we're going to move into a little bit of, what's the deal with Mark Mickelson, huh? Not going back to the legislature, apparently. Hey, everybody, coming up Thursday, Thursday night, it's the brouhaha. It, of course, is a fundraiser for Reach Literacy, but it's also a good time. Thursday, 5.30 to 8 p.m. at the Museum of Visual Materials. An evening of travel stories by local storytellers and beer tasting, great food, socializing, silent auctions and raffles. Proceeds support adult literacy services and Reach Literacy, which provides unique tutoring of adults in the Sioux Empire. And, of course, Reach has the new uh, retail location over in the Western Mall next to Shields. So you can go over there, you can buy some books. Support their efforts to help adults read, and uh, you know you can. It's a it's a great spot, but you can uh, also help out by buying tickets to the Brouhaha for fifty bucks each. That's a whole night of beer tasting and storytelling, or ninety dollars for a couple, three sixty for a table of eight, and you've done good in your community. We're going to come right back with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog, and then we're going to talk to Jolene Letcher candidate for mayor this is the patrick lally show information 1000 kso Four oh six on the patrick lally show information 1000 kso and we are continuing a conversation with Corey heidelberger of the dakota free press blog up there in aberdeen a uh, conversation that started something around noon i think no he cory's been hanging through the news with us and we really appreciate that uh cory uh thanks for thanks for hanging out with us Glad to be on. Always appreciate the opportunity. A hold that long, you could have gotten some uh, uh, like IT support for your your uh, phone, your laptop. I, uh, I was actually <laughs> looking for my next two uh, blog posts. See what happens. Get me back on track here. What are we talking about? Uh, hey, I did notice that uh, you retweeted earlier a post. I think it originated at uh, WNAX 
uh, through KCCR. But it's uh, Mike Rounds talking about uh, doing this uh, uh, hot footed, hot foot dance around uh, trade and the steel tariffs. Did you actually get a chance to listen to that? Story. You know, I, I I didn't get to listen to the report, but I was in, interested in the tariffs because just this morning, our our local Aberdeen newspaper, the American News, a, a fine mm-hmm. uh, brand exemplar of local journalism, made a report from our city council meeting where our economic development director said, "Gee whiz, we've got some prospects. Some businesses are coming to Aberdeen, but it's going to cost them more to build those steel buildings this year." Mm-hmm. And, and I'm uh, like, "Duh!" <laughs> this is starting to sink in that maybe. Maybe tariffs aren't good for South Dakota. Yeah, yeah. just maybe this, and and I noticed because I look, you know, I look at the, the the twitters that our officials do, and Rounds and Thune and Marty Jacklin, all they're celebrating. Hey, it's National Ag Day. Let's mm-hmm. celebrate our farmers and stuff. And I'm like, guys, what do you think they build their grain bins out of? Steel. <laughs> that's right. Also, who do you think they sell to? Actually, the people who send us the steel, and that's Canada and Mexico. So. You know, there you have it. Uh, mm-hmm. I just noticed yep. that, and I had a chance to listen to that just briefly. Uh, it's, a, it's a hot dance around the issue. There's no question about that. Um, but that's uh, – I want to talk to you about Mark Mickelson, okay? And um, I saw a report about this somewhere, and it didn't really sink in. I can't remember if it – why, but he's not going back to the legislature. Do I have that correct? That, that was mentioned on, on uh, Mr. Powers' blog. You can check with him for, on that tomorrow afternoon, I think. Yeah, I can. But if um, he's not going back, what is that? Yeah, well, and, you know, this, this is interesting. I mean, Mark Mickelson, you know, he's got the name Mickelson for Pete's sake. Running for office is kind of in the DNA, it mm-hmm. seems. And then, you know, in 2016, he surprised us and said, nope, not going to run for governor. Um, he was speaker this session, this, this term, and pushed through, you know, he got his two initiatives on the ballot, and he pushed a lot of legislation trying to restrict, uh, you know, initiative and referendum. He pushed the, the USD law school move, which didn't go through. And, yeah, now he's just saying, heck, I'm not even going to run for, for, for House again, apparently. There's, there's still a few days to get petitions in. Maybe he'll change his mind, but that's what we're hearing. You know, um, it's interesting because I've been critical of the speaker uh, in terms of uh, some of these issues that he has brought up, but also, as and you have pointed this out, um, his conflict of interest with some of his business dealings and legislation dealing with livestock operations. Uh, I'm wondering if he's just saying, you, you know, I, I just he's seeing the light there without coming out and saying, I have a, I have a conflict of interest. I'm not going to push these. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to do anything. He's just going to get out of the legislature so he doesn't have to do that. Well, I I would like to think there's a there's a high probability that Mark Mickelson reads my blog, saw that, and went, "Dang, Corey's right. I do have a conflict of interest. I'd better step aside." So um, explain that conflict of interest to us because it's it's a little bit complicated, but it's it's there. Sure. Yeah. Well, in short, for the last several years, each year, Mark Mickelson has brought some kind of legislation to make it easier to set up a big corporate feedlot, whether we're talking dairy or swine or whatever. He's done things to make the county zoning regulations easier so you can set up a CAFO, and he's done things to make it harder for residents, neighbors, opponents of the CAFOs to appeal those permitting decisions, to take them to court, to try to stop the CAFOs. Thing is, Mark Mickelson also now, last year, he formed a consulting business with a former head of ag development in the state, Paul Cosbo. 
It's based in Sioux Falls. It's called A1 Development Solutions, and they advertise themselves as offering consulting services for large livestock operations and other agriculture-related businesses. So the conflict that one would see is, hey, he spent his term in the House passing bills to make it easier to set up CAFOs, and now his business is going to CAFOs and saying, come to South Dakota. We'll help you do it. And it, you know, in if he would have waited to set up the business after he was out of office, that happens, okay? And in other places, maybe you would have, certainly there's a waiting period to lobby and different things. But, you know, if he left and he took his expertise and he formed this corporation and he started doing that, cool. He's got what, you know, he's got a Harvard law degree and I think he's got an MBA from USD or whatever he's got. And, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, go make even more money. That happens. But the fact that he did it while he was still in office really seems circumspect. Yeah, and, and he's doing it right now. His company's doing it right now. I was looking at the, the Lake Norden City Council minutes the other the other day. Um, that's, that's the excitement of my life. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but I was reading the minutes from Lake Norden, and they approved a request from an agent of A1 Development Solutions. They approved an, an easement, a right-of-way, related to the big cheese plant up there. See, you know, Lake Norton, Lake Norton has this giant cheese plant, and they're going to triple its size. They're going to, when this expansion is done, they're going to process nine million gallons of milk a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a day. That seems like a lot of milk. That does seem like a lot of milk. But it, it's a god awful amount of milk. And they make it cheese. Takes a, it takes a lot of cows to make that milk. And you know where those cows are going to come from? They're concentrated animal feeding operations that make milk. You got it. Yeah. They're going to need more. And Mark Mickelson is there consulting. His company is consulting with AgriPure, the cheese plants, helping them get their business done. Mm-hmm. That's going to turn into CAFO business. He's doing it right now, even as he's a legislator. And you can argue the benefits or, or detriment of uh, CAFOs and uh, the livestock industry, but it seems that if you're going to do that, you should at least in the legislature say, I have. But there's no mechanism to declare conflict out there, near as I can tell. Right? right. No, there is none. They, they did a lot of laws, you know, when EB5 broke and then Gear mm-hmm. Up broke. Uh, Mickelson himself was involved in crafting some uh, uh, some new statutes to talk about, to, to set rules for conflicts of interest for almost every board in the state, on down to your water board and school board. Mm-hmm. But they very pointedly and explicitly and deliberately exempted legislators from those statutes. Jeez. Well, we'll watch that. Um, that's not just another example, but, um, you know, if he's leaving because of those reasons, well, at least there's something, right? It's, yeah, it's something. <laughs> it's something, all right. Corey Heidelberger, he is a blogger up in Aberdeen. At You can read his work at dakotafreepress.com. Corey, as always, I appreciate the time, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. And say hi to Jolene for me. you got a great show today. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I will do that. Thanks. See ya. You bet. Coming up next, the aforementioned Jolene Letcher, mayoral candidate for your city of Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Don't you worry.
Oh, trampled by turtles. Yes. And uh, we let that go a little longer than normal. Why do I say that all the time? We no. let that go a little longer than normal because I always let these things go. Away. I was going to say, it's not unusual. And that's for uh, Jolene Letcher, our guest, uh, yes. who is a mayoral candidate in the great city of Sioux Falls. Uh, Jolene, thanks for being here, first of all. Absolutely. Thanks for playing Trampled by Turtles. You're welcome. My husband's very happy about that. See, I'm just happy that, that people know you know, who know who the Trampled by Turtles are. Yeah. I play it because it's upbeat, and even if you aren't a fan, you you know, you like it, but yeah. I hear it, and I, I get goosebumps. They're, they're phenomenal, and I, I love, the not necessarily same genre, but one of my regrets from college was that I didn't go to a Counting Crows concert. Oh. Ten dollars. Was, was that I, in Chicago? Chicago, yeah. yeah. Ten bucks. I know, but I was, I was a poor college kid. Yeah, that happens. I, I re- decided to study. My regret is I didn't go see you two at First Avenue. So that's how far back that goes. <laughs> okay, now that is. <laughs> those are two very different scales of regret. Oh there, come my on. God. That's the last time you two played anything under about a thirty thousand seat arena. <laughs> um, Anyway, you're running for mayor. I and am. You've been on the show before. I have. And we're running through everybody, six candidates. So the last time you were here, it's been a, a while now. You mm-hmm. were still in the, not early stages. You were getting up to speed. Yeah, okay? we were getting there. Yep. Now you've been through multiple forums. You've been uh, out on the trail. You've been everywhere. Um, what have you learned from the great people of Sioux Falls that you didn't know before? Mm. I think I've I've learned a lot of great, uh, you know, everyone has fun stories and, and you get some of that personal history from folks, especially when you're knocking on doors and walking through neighborhoods. But I think um, it has been an affirmation for me um, in that we went into this race saying that it was really important that we talk about trust and transparency and innovation and growth and, and of course, keeping the city safe. And those are the conversations that I've had day in and day out. And I will say there is not a day and rarely a conversation that someone doesn't say to me, I'm worried about why I don't know how our money is being spent or why these deals are being made. And, and I get frustrated, too, at times for folks because what they'll say to me, Patrick, is, well, I know I shouldn't have an opinion or I know my, you know, what I think doesn't matter. It matters. It's your money. You should have an opinion um, and you should have a right to know. And and I think this is part of a, a bigger issue. It's not just how we spend our money and doing that in public, but if we as citizens are going to trust in our government and our leadership, keeping us safe, growing for the future, all of those things, we, we need to have trust. And I, I don't know that people um, feel that right now. I think that when people think about your candidacy and they have now heard you speak or they've seen, you know, videos, what have you, they say, she's very polished. She sounds like <laughs> she knows what she's talking about, right? Yeah. But I, and this is this is the concern I would hear. I'm concerned that she's doesn't have the experience to do a job this big, that she hasn't run a big organization like this. And I like her, but I don't know that she's right for this job. What do you say to those people? Well, you know, first of all, if you look at all six of us, none of us have run an organization with 1,300 employees. None of us have. Um, but and there are a couple other folks who have run 
businesses. They have run businesses. And, business. you, and you I have, have too. Right. I have a business as well. Yep. And I'm, I'm really proud of the growth of that. I mean, we're in six states. We're, we're an international sales leader. I, one of our companies works with Coca-Cola. Like those are big things. Um, and the reality is I haven't spent the last, you know, three, six, ten years uh, building up a political resume. I've been building my businesses and working on the, the policy change as a citizen that really matters to me. And so some of that, when you get into a race and, and start saying, yes, I'm going to run, um, you know, people haven't heard your name tossed around as a potential mayoral candidate, so they don't associate that with um, what you can do. And here, here's what I absolutely know. One, I do hear the polished thing a lot. Um, and, you know, I do come from a TV background. Right, you were trained as a broadcaster. I was trained was. as a broadcaster. So, yep. you know, I do have a tendency to talk in bites, um, in sound bites. And I've heard that from folks. I'm like, we just want to hear who you are. Well, sometimes who I am is a sound bite. Um, but, but also knowing that you're going to get who I am and what I am, and sometimes you may not always like it. Um, but we will have a good conversation, a constructive one at that. Then when it comes to, well, she hasn't done what everyone else has done. Well, I'm going to flip that and say, they haven't done what I have done. You know, who amongst uh, my colleagues on the ballot as a citizen, not waiting to be some elected official, has has taken on the issue of public safety and protecting our children and families from child abuse, child neglect, and child maltreatment. And you were successful. Just remind people, you were successful in getting past Jolene's law. Yes, and and more than just that. You know, I started in 2012, again, as a citizen, um, wanting to remove the statute of limitations on criminal rape. We passed through the legislature, not a single dissenting voice. And that rarely happens. Um, And then went back in 2014, and we passed Jolene's law. Jolene's law created a task force to develop a plan to end child abuse in South Dakota. I think what's a really important part of that story, um, and I'm always reminded of it when I am here in this studio, Mm -hmm. is that 2014 we passed. 2015, we went back uh, to ask the legislature to renew that for $21,000. We were before a House committee, and... Reality is people played politics with children and that bill was pushed to the 41st day and there were legislators that that killed it. And I remember standing up in that room. It was March 3rd of 2015. And I was like, oh, no, that is not going to happen. That is not acceptable. I was a victim of child sexual abuse. And I can tell you the pain and the trauma and the lasting impact that has on someone. And I was not going to watch our legislature turn its back on the potential of our children. And, and in doing so, the potential of our economy, too. If you got to talk numbers, that's what it is. And walked out of that room and said, we're going to be loud. And that's exactly what we did. I was on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember talking to, um, to Rick Noby mm-hmm. and, and said this was unacceptable. And people rose up, right? And, and people said, this is not going to be okay. 36 hours later, we had the governor reinstating Jolene's law through an executive order. Because of that... Um, because of that, we have trained over 8,000 people in the state of South Dakota to both identify and respond to child abuse. Because of that, and because of the work I've been able to do, we opened a regional reporting center in Watertown that cost taxpayers nothing because we brought people around the table and had a conversation in a way that had never been had before. DCI agents that work these cases sat across the table from Department of Health and Department of Ed and folks from Sanford, and, and suddenly we were getting results. And that's the leadership and the action I'm going to bring to City Hall as well. So, so you know, are our resumes the same? No, 
Absolutely not. My resume is dra- dramatically different mm-hmm. than that of um, you know my colleagues on the ballot, and I would say mine is the one that is qualified to lead the city. Jolene Letcher, she is a candidate for mayor in the April 10 election, and we are going to come right back and uh, talk more with Jolene after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. So stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 435 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We take it down a little bit with Wilco. Jesus, it's such Jesus, don't cry. I think that one's on my, my iPhone. Probably. I'm pretty sure it is. This is, I think this is off Sky Blue Sky. My favorite Wilco album, Sky Blue Sky. But this is just a beautiful, beautiful song. I do need to come clean with you about one thing, though. What's that, the Nickelback? Yeah, I do have, I have one. I have one Nickelback song. I don't even know which one, one it is. One song, okay. Yeah, I okay. don't have the album, I swear, because this would that would lose me the election <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> Sioux Falls, I swear to you, I do not own the Nickelback album, but I am a proponent of trust and transparency, and so it, yes, I do own one Nickelback song. There you go. That's <sighs> full disclosure today. That is, of course, Jolene Letcher, mayoral candidate in your April 10th election, and we are stuck on music. So I, is, it, is it this one? Probably. I'm sure that's the one it was. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, I can look it up. Oh. It, I can hear now my, my opponents are going to be like, oh, here come the postcards, wait, right? Wait, we, the we ads. To, just a second. I need to purge our studio. Just oh, my goodness. Oh, I don't think that, huh? No. Yeah, we got to get rid oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Cleanse the palate. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Dan. That was the one. Anyway, getting back. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Getting back to the issues at hand. That was good. That you have that song. God, that is that Please. is wretched. I know. Oh, <laughs> twenty-one days to the election, uh, and you're, you're, you'll get there. Um, so the first round is April ten. There's going to be a runoff uh, when you have six candidates in a race yep. and nobody's going to get 50%. You're going to have a runoff. And then it'll be three weeks later on May 1. Um, I hate to keep beating this uh, one issue because I want to go on to a couple other things. But we talked about people saying, oh, she's polished, but she doesn't have experience. Um, and then you go through everything that you've done. Um, do you think people... You're you're still a young woman. You've got a small child. You're a new mom, fairly new mom. How old's your, how old's Liberty? She will be one year old the day after uh, the first election. It's on April 11th. Um, but you're you're not 12 or anything. I mean, no. how old how old a woman are you? I am 39 years old. 39 years old. People, I don't think think you're that old. No, unfortunately. And, the, and, and how much of that is you? I want to combine these two things together. Not only thinking, oh, she's very young, but she's a woman. Um, well, I'll tackle the age thing first, too. So unfortunately, um, my grandmother passed down some good genes that are not always handy. (laughs) Um, I've always looked young. Mm-hmm. And and I think you are absolutely right from a, from a, a visual standpoint. And I'm a high energy person, a mm-hmm. very youthful, energetic person. And so I think people tend to think I am younger than I am. Um, I'm 39 years wise, right? Not not ashamed of that or embarrassed by that. But if you ask people that who see you on stage, you don't know anything about you, they think you were 28. Yeah, and I, I say no. that as a compliment and as 
they just don't know. Yeah. Well, and and here's what I would say too to that. I actually had this conversation at Grand Living yesterday with uh, a gentleman there who wanted to know how old I was. He's like, "Can you ask a lady her, her age?" I said, "You can ask your mayor their age. That's for <laughs> sure, right?" And uh, and you know, I told him I was I was 39, and I said, "Here's the thing: um, we are at a transformational time in Sioux Falls." We are going from a small town to a big city, and that takes transformational, energetic, youthful leadership. And the last time we were in a place very similar to this, there was another young mayor, the youngest mayor that this city has ever seen by the name of Rick Noby. And Rick was 27 years old, so he was 12 years younger than I was um, when he came into office. And I think the advantage to being 39 and being the youngest candidate on the ballot is that I understand, too, the perspective of um, what it means to be looking at a city from the vantage point of, of the folks that we're recruiting in to make the next 30, 40, 50 years of their life in this city. Um, and, and I come at it from a perspective that, have I held elected office before? No, I haven't. Um, have I run as big a businesses as some of my um, opponents? No, I haven't. Those are not necessarily bad things. You know, part of what we need in City Hall is someone that's going to shoot it straight, which I will. Will I have some polish to that? Absolutely. That's who I am. Um, but also someone that understands that there are voices in this city, Patrick, and, and you and I have heard them and talked to them over the years. They're not getting heard. They are not. And part of that is it's the sound of money being louder than the sound of their voice. And that's not right. And that is not fair. Um, and I think we've also got to come to the future of Sioux Falls and have this this moment where we say, where are we going and what will we be in 20 and 30 and 40 years? And that takes someone with vision and with energy and with, with youthfulness. Those are not bad things. Those are the things I want in my mayor um, to have that that insight and um you know and as far as being a woman absolutely i'm a woman we've never had a woman mayor we have we've, never had, had one Anne hayek ran for mayor she did yep and i try to remember quickly i don't think any other women have actually run for mayor Am there have I, been five who are the other five who are the other ones um loyola 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 uh, ran um my, laura hubble ran okay casey marshall Casey. And yes, Casey. Um, I don't remember the fifth one. It was quite some time Obviously, ago. Uh, yeah. So, th- so I'm the sixth. Those were women with uh, credibility, mm-hmm. but they weren't able to win. Why do you think the city will elect a woman mayor now when we haven't before? They're not going to elect me simply because I'm a woman. They're going to elect me because I am the strongest candidate. And when you look at the issues that we're hearing and that matter most in this city, um, trust and transparency, no other candidate is out there being as, as vocal and strong and acting on the issues of trust and transparency as I am. Yes, I've said it before. I will say it again. We're taking the door off the mayor's office, right? Literally and figuratively. Um, We're going to live stream, Facebook live stream the city council meetings. We're going to explain the decisions we make. We're not going to be making deals behind closed doors. And I have not been saying, oh, I'll open everything up once I'm elected, right? that, That, how do you trust that when that's what someone says? You want to see my campaign disclosures? They're all up on my website. They're easy to find there. Um, So if that's your biggest issue, and that's what I'm hearing a lot of, I'm your best candidate. If growth and vision and understanding where the city needs to go for the future is your biggest concern, I am absolutely your best candidate. Um, I am the candidate that has said from day one, I am not ashamed 
or going to hide from the fact that we have an LGBTQ community here in Sioux Falls, and we need a mayor that is not scared to say those five letters, to stand up for those five letters. And if you cannot realize that standing up for our our immigrant population, people of diverse faiths, and they may be different than mine. Yes, I'm Christian, but that means that I still, as mayor, have to represent and embrace that diversity. And our LGBTQ community, those are issues of equality and diversity, but those are economic issues too, Patrick. And, and what's the resolution tonight There's on, yep. at the council, right? Yeah, so Councilor Starr is going to bring forward a resolution that we as a city stand behind uh, the diversity and inclusivity, and that is, you know, for our LGBTQ community, regardless of where people come from. And those are important things because I have, I have heard that there are rumblings out there that a mayor can't do anything about, truly do anything about the issues of diversity and gay rights. As my grandpa would say, bohunky. Because, you know, a mayor's job is to put a city in the best possible place it can be economically and for people to succeed. Do you think that we aren't standing behind people? I mean, that's the that's the question that is raised by a resolution, which doesn't have any standing. No, it does. It's just saying this is what we support. Is there a reason we need a resolution to say these things? Absolutely. I mean, you have to look at some of the legislation that attempted to make its way out of here and um, was not supportive of diversity Mm -hmm. and inclusivity. And I think you've got to ask yourself as well and, and the voters asking themselves, am I hearing any other candidate say LGBTQ? Anyone else saying those five letters? And what I can tell you, I can I make a can make a phone call right now. I have a good friend. His name's Jason Feldman. He is an executive at Amazon. And he will tell you that when they look to where they're going to locate, Mm -hmm. if he and his husband and their three children don't feel like that is a city that will accept them, Amazon knows that is not a city that will accept that company. So these are economic issues. Uh, Pam Nelson, by the way. I just got a uh, a text from Scott Arisman. Oh, thank you, Scott. There you go. Uh, so now we know all five. There you go. We You're do. the sixth. And I am number six. And and I think, you know, th- the last thing that I think is really important and and the the issue that keeps coming up, and I know you've talked about it a lot on here as well with other candidates, is the issue of crime in the yep. city. And we're going to talk about that Perfect. right after this very short break with uh, Jolene Letcher, who is a uh, candidate for mayor on the April 10 ballot. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 449. Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. We're not going to linger too much on Wilco's either way because we've got a kit. It's a beautiful song. We're just going to sit here sometime and play music. We will. I'll Um, come back as mayor and we'll just have a jam session. We're here with Jolene Letcher. She is candidate for mayor in the in the April 10 election here in the great city of Sioux Falls. Um, let's talk about crime. Um, let's. It's because, it, you know, and I, I, I am reticent to talk about crime because it, uh, I don't want to inflame passions, but it's an issue. And there was a story that said it, we're second in the country. Well, that was second in the country in the increase in violent crime over five years. Our rate of crime is still lower than rapid cities. Mm-hmm. Do we have a crime problem? What do we need to do? So if we have crime, there is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what what I 
get frustrated with in this campaign is that sometimes it feels like people discover that crime exists the minute they decide they're going to run for office or put their name on a ballot or suddenly an election year. Crime is this issue that is topic du jour. Guess what? It happens day in and day out. And and I will tell you, it didn't take me deciding to run for mayor to realize that there is a problem with crime and that something needed to be done. I mean, I knew there was a problem the minute, and, and I know this saying this makes people uncomfortable, the minute a man raped me when I was a child. And I knew that there was something wrong there. And I didn't wait to run for office to make a difference in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that for the last six years. I've shared that story. I've worked on changing the laws. And I think when we look at what are the issues the city is facing, um, we, we do have a drug problem mm-hmm. and we have a challenge. And I, I went and I rode along all three shifts with the, the police department and all but two of the calls we went on were drug related. And so in the immediate we need to respond. We need to be sure that law enforcement have the training they need um, and that we're getting them the resources and that we staff in a way that's commensurate with our Do population growth. Police? And we, I know we're down because of the retirements. We've we got the retirements and we're bringing some seven more in. But do we have enough funded FTEs? I, you know, I think if we get a few more, that is a good thing. Um, but it's also how are we being strategic in, in where they're at? And I've been bringing this conversation and this idea up from the very beginning of this campaign that when we're turning dirt on a school, we should also be considering, you know, is that somewhere that we have, um, if we want to call it a precinct or an outpost or however you want to call it, is there a place there for law enforcement as well? And so that we're better using our resources, we're giving them better use of their time. I think those things are important as well. And the voice of law enforcement and public safety, because I think we talk a lot about police, but our fire folks, our fire rescue are out in these cases dealing with this at the same time. Are their voices being heard um, in a way that allows allows them to be open and honest and create change that they need when they go and have a question of their mayor as well. Um, And so, you know, do we need some more staffing? Yes. Do we need to be more strategic as we plan forward for the growth of the city of where those outposts are? Um, Yes, we do. Um, And Fighting drugs isn't just about hiring more cops. And this is where I will, I get frustrated, Patrick. I get really frustrated because there is this idea, though, that if we simply hire, 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 and arrest, 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 we will solve the problem. The reality is that we have to deal with the immediate that you and I just talked about. We have to also go in with a 20-year plan. And that a lot of issues when people face addiction issues um, are rooted in childhood trauma. And I know this, this is what I've been studying for over six years, is that when we look at adverse experiences, bad things that happen to kids, um, the Harvard Center for the Developing Child says that brain literally rewires. And if we don't get the mental health resources, their propensity for um, possibly being addicted or um, being homeless in the future, those things all go up. And what we need in this city right now is we are looking at these big city challenges it are some big ideas. Well, and we keep a, addiction and mental illness are multifaceted and not easily solved. This city, the state and the city, but primarily the state keeps thinking that Avera is going to do it all. Avera can't do it all. Sanford can't do it all. And this is what I will say when we sat around the table starting in 2014 and said we are going to end child abuse in this state. Um, 
part of doing that means that we are also going to reduce the likelihood that someone will be addicted to drugs or alcohol because we know that the pain of child abuse or that if someone is raped, they will use those those tools, and, and I hate to call it a tool, but that is a way, a numbing, a coping mechanism for them. And what we need is to be bringing Avera around the table, and we as a city need to be at that table as well and say, where are we going to partner? How are we going to be smart? I've been a huge advocate of telemedicine tablets mm-hmm. um, for our fire rescue and for our police to use that when they are out on a call and need to connect someone that doesn't need an ambulance, they can connect them with resources. Yeah. We're here with Jolene Letcher, and we're going to finish up because we ran out of time, but I, I'm certain we'll talk again, Jolene. I bet we will. Jolene, of course, is a candidate for mayor on your April 10 ballot. That's the first round, second round, May 1. Jolene, thank you very much. Patrick, thank you. We'll be back to finish up. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This Saturday... You want to get down to the Washington Pavilion for the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra presents Guardians of the Symphony, a celebration of Hollywood's most thrilling superheroes featuring music from Batman, Superman, the Avengers, and more. Good times. Go to WashingtonPavilion.org for more info on that. Tomorrow on the show, Jody Schwann will be here and blogger Pat Powers. We'll talk business and we'll talk politics. It'll be a good time. See you tomorrow, everybody. This is Information 1000 KSOO.